The Simpsons is well known for predicting the future, but will it be as well known for making a good episode of baseball-related hilarity? Noted Simpsons superfan Sansom Marchand is here to help me figure it out on a very animated episode of Cracker Jack. Welcome to another episode of Cracker Jack, dear listeners. Uh, I hope you've been well in the week since I spoke to you last. Uh, I know I have, but I'm about to be better because I'm joined by a very good friend of mine for a very good episode of television. So there was this show, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It started in the early 90s and it was called um, The Simpsons. Yeah, and it was an animated show that uh, told the stories of the Simpson family. And in the third season of that show, there was an episode where one of the characters was involved with a softball team. And I thought to myself, hey, should do an episode of Cracker Jack on that episode. So I did. And we're here and we are talking with the absolutely legendary actor and internet presence that is Sansom Marchand. They are an incredible actor. They are a dear, dear friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Sansom. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Benton. Excellent. Glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time, even though we only live, even though we live within the bubble. Well, RIP to the, uh, the Atlantic bubble. But, oh, yeah. Uh, we're hopeful it's going to come back. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's, uh, it's great of you to come on and talk about something that I know that you care a lot about. I do. I do. We were, we were just talking before the recording started that you actually have a metric for how much you care about this. Yeah, I was once the 17th biggest fan in the world. 17th biggest fan of The Simpsons in the world, folks. You've heard it here first. I'm going to say that is a Cracker Jack exclusive. Uh, I'm excited about it. Get hyped. So Sansom, I start off every, uh, every podcast by asking my guest what their relationship to baseball is. Yeah, I kind of came to it late. Yeah, I, I never had cable growing up. And like, I grew up in a very small town. So like, it was always like this distant thing. And then when I was in high school, I was playing rugby. And I loved playing it. And I love always loved sports. But I hated the people on the rugby team. And all my friends were on the baseball team. So when I was in grade 10, I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just gonna play baseball. Right. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I'd ever even played catch before. Well, and it's funny, right? Because in terms of sports, I think that baseball does kind of hit different. Like, like it, I think it attracts a different sort of person to it in some way. And I'm not really sure how. Well, we were all nerds. That, that helps. That, yeah, like, that's the thing. Be. Like they're all like, like one's like an architect. Now one's like a Marine, uh, a muscle biologist, like the freshwater muscle. Like it's, it was right. just like all the nerdy guys who were wanted to play sports, but couldn't play football or play rugby. We're all like, well, we can do one thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so did you like play for the high school team or was it just, yeah, like I, play, I played for them for three years. I played uh, left field. Hey, all right. We got another left fielder in the house. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I guess that sort of brings me to my, my next usual question, which is um, in terms of like, if baseball positions were astrological signs, what would your baseball position be spiritually? 
That one would probably be, it's definitely a water sign. Because <laughs> so, like, it's kind of like, I remember playing like left field and like, I was like, this is where they put the people who can't really do much else but throw and catch. Like, like that was like, I didn't have to be fast. I didn't, I just had to be able to throw and be able to do what I was told. If it came to me, most of the game, it was like, okay, move right a little bit, move yep. left. Like, it's like, okay, I can stand out here and hope for the best, which I feel like is definitely like a water sign kind of thing. <laughs> Well, that, that's, that's so true because, like, I'm definitely spiritually a left fielder, as I was in real life, too. And, like, for all the reasons you just outlined, I don't have to do anything. I might have to, like, move right a little bit every so often. Uh, I could pick daisies to my heart's content. I could stare down at my shadow to make sure I look like a baseball player in oh, my yeah. silhouette. Like, all that jazz. Uh, like, honestly, I was like an actor from the day I was born, and I just wanted to make sure that my costume looked right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I always like, had to like the look, like we'd all choose uh, sunflower seeds, even though I hated it. I was like, yeah. I, just, I, I gotta do it. Well, it's like, it's like, I, I like my, my big league chew budget was like through the roof, <laughs> like all that stuff. So, okay. So in terms of the episode of television that uh, I've, I've had you come on to talk about, this is actually the first episode of television we are discussing on the podcast. So I'm excited to get into that. Let's, uh, let's just run down the plot of the episode for the listeners before we really get into the nitty gritty about it. So in this episode of The Simpsons, Mr. Burns decides to make a bet with the owner of another nuclear power plant well, that's like the, that's like the eventual plot. That's yeah, the yeah. eventual thing. Yeah. There's like a, a recreational softball league amongst nuclear power plants, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's just like the other like big big companies around right. like East Springfield and all over. Yeah. There, yeah. Homer is really excited because he's like made his big bat that yeah, the got, water bat that got struck by lightning. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna be the stud on the team, and I'm gonna be the hero. And all that stuff. And Lenny and Carl are like, yeah, sure, we'll play. And like all of the, the background characters at the plant and everything. And then they start winning a whole bunch. And Mr. Burns makes the bet with the rival nuclear power plant operator from Shelbyville, uh, who's played by John Lovitz in this as like this like randomly Greek dude. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, they make a really high stakes bet. And then Mr. Burns realizes that he needs some help. So he stacks the recreational nuclear power plant team with every single famous baseball player of the early 90s. Yep. And the rest, honestly, is television history. The team ends up winning the championship because Homer <laughs> pinch hits for Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and gets hit in the face with a baseball. And that's the winning run of the game. And uh, there you go. So, Sansom, as the 17th ranked uh, Simpsons fan in the world, I feel like you are qualified to talk about this. Where do you put this on your list of Simpsons episodes all time? It's definitely within the top 10. I rewatched it again this morning, and I think it was like one of the earlier episodes I ever saw. And like I, like I said, like I didn't know anything about baseball, but like the, cons- the, the plot line is just so simple which I really like I that's one of my favorite things like that classic Simpsons does like it's just like a, a recreate like you said like a, a softball team that starts winning so they get the famous people to come in and it's just I just love how stupid it is oh yeah it's incredible 
Like yeah. just, just the fact that they, they have Daryl strawberry as their left fielder and they yeah. pinch hit Homer Simpson for him. It, that's yeah. it's like, it's chef's kiss. It's so good. Also just anytime you can get Mr. Burns to be old timey, like his, his Zephyr uniform. And like before he decided before, like, smithers finds like the modern baseball players he picks players from like the 1904 league yeah <laughs> like early like even before babe ruth famous yeah. players <laughs> like he just has no clue oh. of modern baseball anymore so and good. like giving out brain tonic and medicine which, balls um, for practice which ken griffey jr gets addicted to yeah and then he gets gigantism yeah and then he <laughs> <laughs> oh. but I, I think what i love most about the episode when I was rewatching it, it was like the baseball players are terrible actors yeah like I think baseball players are the worst actors like I've seen like LeBron act in like train wreck yep. some football players have been good some soccer players have been great yeah baseball players are like they're all bad yeah well <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things right where it's like with like like basketball to me is a charisma game mm-hmm. right like the star system in basketball is about being a charismatic person and commanding all of this attention and all of this money. Whereas baseball is so much more of a team game that like the more that you sort of sink into the background, the better. And so I think a lot of these baseball players, you know, they didn't get anywhere on their charisma, I guess is what I'm saying. No, like there's right? no famous baseball. Well, you might know better. There's like, to me, there's no famous baseball interviews that get circulated around. Not really. No, like you don't, you don't get anybody, you don't get any baseball players being like, we're talking about practice. Not the game, not the game that I die for. We're talking about practice, like that classic Allen Iverson interview, or you don't get like any of that stuff, right? Like there's no real meltdowns in baseball. There's no real moments of good sound bites or anything. You know, the, the only one I can think of is in 2015, Josh Donaldson, when he was with the Blue Jays was gave an interview where they were talking about his frustrations about how the team was doing and he basically said, this isn't the try league, it's the get it done league. And like, in terms of sound bites, I wouldn't say that it rates in the top 100, but it was a rallying cry and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I do just want to talk about the structure of this episode, because to me, it's an interesting example of something that the Simpsons would go back to quite frequently but it seems to work better here than it does in any other episode that I've seen it. And it's where they give the whole episode over to guest stars. Yeah. And it's, it's not only guest stars, but it's guest stars playing themselves because in the early Simpsons, you would have famous people come on and play characters, but in the like later eras of the Simpsons, you would get guest stars coming on to play themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, Well, I think what works for this compared to like the modern episodes is that it seems like, it's what happens to the characters that makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, there's like the eight bad things that happen to the eight players except for Daryl Strawberry. Whereas I feel like in the newer seasons, it's all like, you know, you know, they have like Lady Gaga and she informs the plot. Right. Like it's her, it's her exuberance that is like the thing that pushes it forward. And so it always just feels kind of strange mm-hmm. where these folks, even though like what happens to them, like it's all over the map. It's very much within their world. It's not trying to introduce another world into the Simpsons. Well, that's, that's a good point too. And, and I really appreciated earlier when you talked about the simplicity of the story too, because I think the Simpsons in its later eras in particular gets really bogged down with overcomplicating their plots and trying to start episodes like three steps away from the main plot. And then like having these like completely artificial mechanisms to get them into the story that they're trying to tell. Right. Whereas in this episode, it's just like, boom, baseball, let's go. Yeah. And it, it's so, 
well, like I said, it's not plausible, but like, there's still like, it's like they always say about the early seasons is, is, is the heart. Like Homer finally finds something that he's good at. And he has this wonder bat and he, he's really like the star of the team. Like he's finally finding his place in this, you know, dreary workplace and like the monotony of his life. And it gets taken away by celebrity, which I think is a, like, like the big moment is like, he doesn't want his family to go to the game because he's just going to sit there on the bench the whole game, which like being a terrible baseball player that I was like, I remember those moments of like, you know, I'd play one really good game. And then I'd be at practice and I'd be awful. So I wouldn't play the next game. And like my parents would come and I would just sit on the bench the whole time. And like, yeah, it's like being in a show, being a background character that moves the set. And like your family's like, we're going to come see your show. And you're like, well, like it's a good show, but don't come for me. You know, yeah. <laughs> we should talk about the eight terrible tragedies that befall these yeah. baseball players, because that's basically the lion's share of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start with what I think my favorite one is, which is Steve Sachs. No, yes. not, not Steve Sachs. Um, Mike Sosha. It was Mike Sosha. Mike Sosha is my favorite because Mike Sosha actually starts working at the plant and enjoys yeah. working at the power plant. Um, so basically, in order for them to qualify to be on the softball team, Mr. Burns has to give all of these baseball all-stars jobs at the nuclear power plant. And they're all basically symbolic jobs that don't really have anything real to do with nuclear power but mike Sosha dives in and he's like i am here i am ready to work just tell me what you want me to do i'm so ready and then he comes down with radiation poisoning (laughs) of course um so we have steve Sachs basically getting mistaken for like a criminal well yeah he the police pull him over because he's driving through a suburb and like and they pull him over and they find out he's, well, you find out he's from New York. And they're like, hey, I heard a guy got murdered in New York City. You wouldn't know anything about that. Which, well, there's hundreds of unsolved murders. So they put him away for the hundreds of unsolved murders in New York City. Just but okay, another, ben, uh, Benton, you might know this. This yeah. has always been my question. I've never actually looked it up. Did Steve Sachs play bass? Like, was that a thing? Because he, when they find him. That's a good question. I think he played like, bass in like the have. Steve Sachs jazz trio. Yeah, he must. Have. I'm going to look that up right now. Because like I, 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 the one thing I don't know that maybe you can help me with is I don't know these baseball players really outside of this episode. Right. I, so I and honestly know, like, like, but like honestly, with the exception of probably Roger Clemens and Daryl Strawberry, like these are all guys that I know by name. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, season three of The Simpsons came out in '92, so I was like one year old. Right. Right. So the the, the prime of these guys was much before my time. Let's see, Steve Sachs. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about jazz music, but I think the joke is basically that like now that he's done with baseball, he can get to his real passion, which is bass. which is jazz, which is jazz bass. Yeah, so okay, so that's that's sax down, that's Sosha down. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens to Daryl Strawberry until the final game. Yeah, uh, where he gets pinch hit for Homer Simpson, so that's easy. Wade Boggs gets into a bar fight with Barney Gumble over the greatest British Prime Minister, <laughs> which British. is uh, Lord Palmerston versus yeah. Pitt the Elder. <laughs> Lord Palmerston! Um, right, okay, good. Uh, Ozzie Smith gets stuck in a wormhole yeah. uh, at the, uh, at the like, Springfield House of Oddities, yeah. basically. Ken Griffey Jr., as we said, gets addicted to brain tonic and gets yeah. gigantism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Clemens gets hypnotized by the sports psychologist into thinking he's a chicken. Yep. Jose Canseco with the, with the fire. Yes, so basically he walks by 
and there's a house on fire and the woman's like my cat's inside and he's like i'll save your cat ma'am and he's like super heroic and he jumps into the house and then he brings up the cat someone told me that it was jose canseco right yeah that he was actually kind of a jerk in real life he's a colossal asshole yeah so i think that that's the big joke is that he's finally helping someone right and then he gets stuck because she just keeps asking for more stuff out of her burning house yeah um incidentally uh jose canseco played for the blue jays uh at one point in his career and it was not a great uh stint with the blue jays oh, really he he was you know he was sort of i think on his way down maybe before before steroids and everything mm-hmm. um but he was most famous, at least to me, in the Blue Jays lore for having a fly ball hit off his head and go over the fence for a home run. <laughs> uh, which I think is funny. That's amazing. I love that. Don Mattingly sh- can't, sh- can't figure out the like, burn cells of the shave his sideburns, which I, it still bugs me to this day because I think he's referring to his mustache. Right. And so he like shaves the side of his head and he like tells him to go home because he's too much of a hippie to play. And then he's like, I still like him better than Steinbrenner. Yeah. Which is, uh, of course, a reference to uh, George Steinbrenner, who owned and operated the Yankees for so many years. And, and the, by Seinfeld. Yeah. And the, the Yankees have uh, very famously have a no facial hair policy. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I think is probably where that's coming from. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So it, because I remember Johnny Damon right after he won the world series with uh, Boston ended up getting signed by the Yankees. And he was famous for looking like Jesus because he had like a massive beard and really long hair. Mm-hmm. And then when he went to the Yankees, he had to cut his hair and shave his beard. And everyone was like, Oh my God, Jesus is gone. Right. So all of this stuff happens. And it's one of those classic things where, you know, they're talking about like, what are eight separate tragedies going to befall eight separate players? Yeah. No way. Lo and behold, it does. It's just, it's really interesting for me. Season three of the Simpsons is might be my favorite season. Hmm. I, I think, and like, you can, you can tell me to screw off about that if you want to, but like, for me, like it, it's got so many interesting episodes. Like it's got it's got the baseball episode. Mm-hmm. While this isn't necessarily streamed anymore, it has the Michael Jackson episode, yeah, which like you. outside of everything else that's gone on with Michael Jackson in the years since, is a decent episode of television. Um, it's got the second Herb episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or no, it's it. Yeah, it's the second yeah, one. Brother, where, brother, can you spare two dimes? Yeah, yeah, where where he comes back. Bart the Lover, I, that's an amazing episode. Bart the Lover's that, really I was good. Like, wow, what a plot! And like, yeah, some and like watching it now as an adult compared to when I was a kid, like so many things flew over my head, and just yeah. like the crushing loneliness that, like, yeah, like, I think like I think that's what makes the show of such amazing stay power. And I'm sure there's many people who've talked about this. Like, I know there's many Simpsons podcasts, but it's just the the fact that it, you can watch it. Like, I remember watching that probably when I was I think I was seven or eight when I first started watching. And, like, I could watch it and enjoy some of the jokes and, you know, the names of the fish, like, Stinky and Wrinkles. And then, like, the like feeling this, like, you know, she, like, Edna Krabappel's going through a, a love want ad because she's a lonely adult and, like, you know, has someone who who's single and, like, in the date, in the age of COVID especially where it's, like, you know, I just, I just want to find someone and it's, it's really hard. Hey, maybe Gordy Howe is out there for you. I don't I know. Would, <laughs> would but you? see... 
But that's interesting because that's also sort of a sports related episode of the Simpsons because they yep. use a Gordie Howe hockey card <laughs> to convince her that Woodrow is, uh, is a real person. Um, also one of the iconic Simpsons lines is like, welcome to Dumpsville, baby. Population, you. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Three simple words. I am gay. <laughs> Which I think is like my, fi- well, as a queer person, is like just my favorite Simpsons moment of all time. Right. <laughs> like, like anytime someone's just questioning something I'm going to do, I'm like, no, three simple words. I am gay. <laughs> <laughs> but like the Simpsons do sports so well. Like, like I think about like other baseball references within the show, like mm-hmm. when, when Homer stops drinking, I think that that's season three of season four, Duffless. And he quits drinking and he goes to a baseball game and all you see of the crowd is just people chugging back beers and it, how bo- he's like, I never realized how boring this game was. <laughs> Which is honestly how most of my guests on this podcast feel about it. Well, like I listened to the most Duncan and like, I was like, yeah, like you know, Duncan's going to get beers like all game. And like, yeah, when we, when I go see Blue Jays game, like, Part of me was so mad. I was so broke because I was like, oh, half of this is I just got to get those $12 buds. I know, right? But at least um, I think you were with us the last time we went where there was those dugout deals. Yeah, the $5 cans. The $5 cans. So at least they were they were looking out for uh, for us struggling artists anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, like that, like, like I, I miss so many things about Toronto. Like the one thing I really miss is like $7 Blue Jays games. I know. Like yeah. just going on like, what was that app? Um Oh, um, yeah. Game timer. Uh, yeah, game time, I think it was. Yeah, called, just yeah. like, you know, it was like, at, like I remember one day after school, like Gavin just, like a friend of ours just texted me and was like, let's just go to a game. And I was mm-hmm. like, right, I can just hop on the one. Yeah. And just head to a baseball game after after school. Well, I remember um, my first year in Toronto would have been the, I guess the year before you got there mm-hmm. was 2016, which was the, the second time the Blue Jays were in the playoffs, like in the Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion era. And so they were in the wild card game in early October. And I found myself at Union Station the afternoon of that game. And to just see how much the city cared about something. Let's be real. You and I both have a certain amount of affection for Toronto. I won't say that we love it necessarily. Mm-hmm. But that city can be a bit of a shithole in terms of attitude sometimes. Oh, oh, so far <laughs> its own butt. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but like... It was nice to see them all band together around something mm-hmm. and to actually care about something positive. Yeah. You know, and baseball does that for people as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And well, one thing about baseball is too, you just see every kind of person at a game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you see the corporate suits who have like their boxes who are trying to impress clients and stuff like that. You see families out for their app. Like they used to do like the afternoon games on mm-hmm. the weekend and you could, you could get like a family pass for like 20 bucks and you could bring your own picnic. Yeah. Because, and then like, I remember being at a couple of games, like way up in the nosebleeds and people had their radio and like, you knew that those were their seats. Yeah. And it's just like a thing to do. Yeah. And I, I think more than any other sport, like it just, it's so accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Because you think of like the other trendy thing right now in Toronto is the Raptors. Yeah. Right. And I remember in my third year at George Brown being like, I'm going to, this is the year. I'm going to go see a Raptors game. And so I like went on the website and like found the, uh, the seats where like, if I'm sitting there, the ceiling is like scraping my head. Yeah. And like, it was still like $95. Yep. And I was like, no, like I just, I can't, you know, I might no, as well watch it on TV. 
Yeah, actually, going to a Raptors game was one of the last things I did before COVID. Okay. Like, I went, I guess, two weeks before everything kind of shut down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or was it the week? It might have been, like, the week of, like, that Tuesday before Friday. Right. I, I can't remember right now. But, like, we got we got free tickets, like, and we were in the 100s. And it was incredible. But you, you could just feel there was a level of, like, class to it. Mm that like that I don't feel baseball has with its fans or with the people there. I was like, Oh, like there's a lot of King West and Queen West folks here who can, who can afford to do this on like a Tuesday night. And right. you know, like, you know, we're buying the $18 beers and I just, I just feel like part of what still makes my love of baseball is kind of like the idea that you can kind of drop into it and drop out of it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, like I, like even if you just have friends in the States, like, well, let's just go see an afternoon baseball game. We can go and stay for an hour. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, it's fun and it's exciting, but you can still like enjoy your time. Like I went to Cleveland right. uh, a couple of years ago to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, you know, like we went and we saw a double header because tickets were so cheap and it was like dollar hot dog night. Amazing. So we had dinner and uh, some entertainment for four hours. Right. Yeah. And like, you can't get that in any other like medium basically no you know like you could maybe go and see like a two like a double bill at a cinema or something but then you're not outside you can't really talk to your friends baseball's great isn't it it is (laughs) (laughs) i want to talk a little bit because you know you're the 17th simpsons fan in the world yeah when did all of that get started for you like can you talk about your relationship with the show because for those of you who don't know, Sansom's Instagram profile picture is a picture of Homer Simpson. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, and up until yesterday, my, my handle was a Simpsons reference. <laughs> People ask me that a lot, and I guess... I, I, I grew up without cable. Mm. I had, like, in, like, rural Canada. So I had CBC, Global... Uh, I somehow had Omni for some reason. Okay. Anyone, anyone yeah. out there remembers Omni TV? There were two. <laughs> So on a given day, and my parents were out of the house a lot, like I would come home from school and I'd be basically by myself. So, you know, like a, like a young kid is like, I'm just going to watch TV. So on like after school, I could catch it at five on CBC and then at six on Omni and then at 10 again on Omni. Right. So there was a three times a day on weekdays and then on weekends, Global used to play like four in a row in the afternoon. Okay. I remember they used to do like two episodes of Seinfeld and then so, you know, like those like cold, rainy days, like I had no neighbors. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's the only consistent show. Uh, and I, I just really loved it. Like, I just found it really funny. I have a really good friend, dear friend of mine that I am still friends with who I met in grade nine. Like, I also moved schools a lot. I went right. to four schools in four years. And so it was kind of a way to like find friends. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, here's a mutual thing. Even if we grew up in separate provinces, which right. like, I, I grew up in Quebec and I went to school in Ontario, it was a universal thing we could talk about. Yeah, true. Because most kids had either seen it or, you know, their, their parents wouldn't let them watch it. So it could always be some kind of discussion. Yeah, I was very much in the my parents wouldn't let me watch it camp for a long, long time. And then I remember... Like, I don't know if this is what actually happened. And I guarantee you my parents are listening to this right now and are like screaming at their phone being like, this is not what happened. You're making us sound like bad parents. But like, I remember one day, like sitting down at the dinner table with my parents and my parents are like, we have decided that you may now watch The Simpsons. Oh, how old were you? 
I'm like older than I should have been. <laughs> I don't know. I was, yeah, I was like 25. Uh, I think I must have been like, I was probably like 10. Okay, yeah. Or something. Anyway, so I ended up making up for lost time is mm. what I'll say. And I just like destroyed it, like went through it all to the point where I remember growing up and being like 15 or 16 years old. And I would like literally be relating to the outside world in Simpsons quotes. Yep. And my mom would have to like take me aside and be like, I need you to tell me that you know that this show is not real. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I'd be like, obviously I know that. I'm just like doing quotes. You know how like when you're a teenager, like doing quotes is like a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and like now I guess like the, the, the modern day equivalent of doing quotes is just like meme culture. Yeah. Or tick, tick, like vine for a long Vines time. or like shit posting or like any of that kind of stuff. Right. The amount of times that I would just recite the steamed hams thing verbatim, mm-hmm. like it, it was embarrassing. I think uh, before I let you go, I, I do want to talk about the episode itself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that you just watched the episode today. What jokes stood out for you as something that you're just kind of like, that's like a pistol or like I had forgotten about that or just anything that stood out to you that way? Oh, like anything to do with Mr. Burns. Like there's a great <laughs> bit where he's trying to show, I think it's Ken Griffey Jr. how to bunt. And he's like, move. Like he's so confident and he just gets blown back <laughs> by a pitch. And I just think that like physical humor of like how frail and old he is, is just so brilliant. I honestly think I could watch a full half hour of Mr. Burns trying to give signs. Oh, this like the, this like, like the shimmy and like the the I will we, I will brush I will brush my arm thusly and I will play yeah. with my belt buckle. And... It's where I learned the word thrice. It's ah, I yes, remember not that's once, how I learned not twice, but thrice. <laughs> and I had no idea that was even like a term until um. Well, because we used to do stupid whenever we played rec baseball, we'd come up with our own stupid signals. So I always relate it to that. So I think I've that's fun. Place. But I think the best jokes are like the physical jokes in that episode. Mm. I think that's what that episode does really really well. More so even than the lines, but like the one where Dale Strawberry jumps into the air to catch a fly ball. And there's like a moment of him just disappear and then lands. And it's probably one of my favorite line deliveries. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it because he does it yeah. so well. And it's just like this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know why, but it just every time, because there's no, there's no, uh, to use an actor word, no intention behind, but he, like, it's just like, he saw it in the script and was like, Yes. um oh what else is what else is a great joke my i think my my favorite one of my favorite jokes is when marge is filming the game yeah like she's like videotaping the game for like a home video or something and she's like and there's homer in the dugout and then he starts like scratching his cup yeah and then she just like goes away and she's just like bart tell me when your father stops playing with himself and then there's like four beats of silence and then she just goes bart and then Bart goes, I'll tell you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when they're heckling Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> He's a professional baseball player. That stuff sort of just rolls off his back. And then like one single tear. Well, I, I think about that when we go to games and you like, I think we were doing it when we went uh, a couple years ago. And like heckling posts is like, do they just think we're all giant assholes? No, I know. Yeah. My favorite. So my favorite all time baseball heckle that I've been in the stadium for, it was so good. And so it was the, it, the Jays were playing the Rays and this guy, I don't even remember his name. I think his last name was Robertson. I want to say that his name was like Nick Robertson, although I'm pretty sure that that's a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey player. Anyway, it, it's like Robertson or something like that. And he was in, 
right field. We were in the right field bleachers. And this guy behind me goes, hey, Robertson, you're such a loser. Your mom doesn't even own your jersey. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, I'm not even mad. Like, that's no. impressive. That's great. That's, that's, a, that's a good heckle. <laughs> I also really like the the montage of Homer making the Wonder Bat. Yes, oh. because they I think they used that montage like five times over the course of like three or four seasons of The Simpsons. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's the one of him like hammering the nails into the board and like bending all of the nails yeah. and like sanding and all that stuff. Like they use the same one I think in Saturdays of Thunder with the yeah, yeah, box racers yeah. and stuff. Oh, it's just. Oh, but, I, but I do love it's like. I got, I locked myself out of the house in a giant thunderstorm. So I grabbed, grabbing the biggest piece of, grabbing a piece of, I shielded myself with a piece of sheet metal running under the largest tree I could find. (laughs) And I thought that this wood was special that I could make a bat out of. (laughs) Like, it's just this beautiful moment. It's like, yeah, okay, now we have the justification. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, no indication ever in the series that Homer, well, he he goes to baseball games, but it's like, no indication that he ever cares for it or anything. And it's like, I'm going to make a bat. Like, was this before or after he was the Capital City goofball or the the Isotopes mascot? Uh, this would have been after that yeah, dancing Homer. Yeah, that's it. Oh yeah, Dan- that's dance, an- yeah, that's that. another good that's another good baseball episode. Was that the episode with the with the Whitey Whackers? Was that was that that episode? No, that's um, Twisted Tale of Marge Simpson when she starts making pretzels. Oh yes, of course, right. And so they sell they try to give out the pretzels at the baseball game, and Whitey Ford's there, yeah. and the Isotopes blow the lead. So then they start throwing the pretzels at Whitey Ford. Yeah. And, and that uh, was enough force that he moves. <laughs> like they knock him out with soft pretzels. But like that's, but I think that's like another part of what I love about baseball. Like the stories behind baseball riots. Oh, I know. Like, I, other so than good. soccer, I think baseball has the, like, like, you know, nickel beer night. Yep. Like, or uh, the Philadelphia fans who would, uh, I can't remember which player it was, the guy who left and they would whack him with batteries. <laughs> where they had to start checking people at stadiums so they wouldn't bring batteries oh my God. to huck at players. I also really like the, um, I think it was Disco Night. Yes. The, the really famous Disco one Demolition Night. Disco Demolition Night where they were going to blow up a bunch of disco records and then people just like lost their minds. Yeah, or in Montreal when the, when the Expos left and people ripped out the uh, seats. Yeah, right. I know somebody who has two seats from uh, Olympic Stadium. Yeah, I know a couple. Of, and yeah. you can find them on eBay and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I, I do want to own one one day when I... Yeah, uh, an episode that is still to come out when we are recording this is my interview with Kissinda Bulger uh, oh. about Angels in the Outfield. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right? Primo. Classic. Yeah. And what I realized was that movie came out a couple of months before the baseball strike of 1994 that a lot of people blame for the Expos leaving. Oh, really? And so what I think happened is that the Disney Corporation put out this movie and that movie killed the Montreal Expos. That's what I believe. Okay. I don't know enough to disagree. So (laughs) (laughs) all that's left to do here is we have to rate the episode. Uh, so we each get three strikes. Mm-hmm. More strikes, the better. So you score it out of three. Okay. And then we'll have a total score out of six. I'll go first. Pretty simple for me. I think this might be my favorite episode of The Simpsons. I think it's probably in my top five all time. I'm definitely going to give it three strikes. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Three strikes all the way. Like watching it again this morning, I was just like, yep, this episode holds up. Even though like they're players we don't know, I'm 
I, I still love it. The jokes Absolutely. are there. You can yeah. find it funny without knowing the game, which I think is a big plus for any baseball yep. movie. And it's got uh, an absolute banger of a closing credit song. Oh, oh, that's, <laughs> I used to have the Simpsons CD and like, that was one of my favorites. I find myself like in the shower, just like going, we're talking Homer, Ozzy and the straw, just like in my head. I'm like, where did the fuck did that come from? Yeah, Nostalgic for a time that I did not exist for. Exactly. Right. Okay. So book it, the Simpsons Homer at the bat episode is six out of six strikes. So it is currently tied for first place on our big board of baseball, I guess, movies and TV shows. Now it is tied with a league of their own uh, at a a perfect score of six out of six. Will anything dethrone it? You'll just have to keep listening to find out. Sansom, I want to thank you for stopping by. It's been lovely to see you and to speak with you. I know it's a very weird time to be an actor and an artist and a performer uh, but is there anything you would like to plug? Yeah, actually, um, I'm very lucky to be a part of the NB Collective through Cahoots Theatre. So it's myself and five other uh, non-binary artists through across through mediums. I haven't met these folks yet. We start in February and we'll be creating a show that will be premiering in April. Excellent. Uh, I will post some stuff on that on our social media channels. Uh, I'll get that information from you and I'll pass it along. Great. Thank you. Lovely to see you as always. uh, And lovely to uh, know that you're out there, listeners. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm still in search of a catchphrase to end this podcast, so I'll just end it the way I normally do. I have been Benton Hartley, and you have been great. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crackers, Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the whole.